I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Samuel chapters 21 through 24. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. Now the setup for this chapter is David is fleeing from Saul, and he goes to Nob to see the priest there. Verse 1 of chapter 21. Now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business, and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, the Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it, give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Goth. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Goth. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Well, here's David, weaponless and foodless, heads out of town to Nob. That's where the tabernacle is now located at this point in time. He then goes there to see the priest where he picks up some holy bread and that sword that he confiscated from Goliath. You know, Goliath was finished with it at that time. The bread had been displayed on the table of showbread in the tabernacle. That's 12 loaves in Exodus chapter 25 verses 20 through 30 is where that's stipulated. It ordinarily was to be eaten only by the priest and replaced every Sabbath day. That's specified in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. Apparently, nobody ate it then. Ahimelech the priest bends some priesthood rules to accommodate David and his men. 
Ahimelech's no women stipulation of verses 4 and 5 refers to the provisions of the law of Moses that are found in Leviticus chapter 15, verses 16 through 18. Actually, David tells Ahimelech a couple of lies to pull it off without the fact being discovered that Saul was really trying to kill him. Though a little suspicious, the priest cooperates. Incidentally, Jesus cites this occasion to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, Mark 2, and Luke 6. That's when they criticize his disciples for plucking corn from the cornfield on the Sabbath, declaring it to be unlawful. Now, as it turns out, there was a loyalist to Saul present at that time, Doeg the Edomite. We'll see this name in chapter 22 when he carries his observations of David's transactions with Ahimelech back to Saul. Immense consequences followed, though Ahimelech was really in no position to resist David's request. Then David flees to Achish, the king of Goth. That's the Philistine city. What kind of story can he tell the king of Goth? How about just faking insanity? That seemed like a good idea to David. These Philistines do remember that David was the one about whom the women had sung the song, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. The lyrics to that Hebrew hit were about slain Philistines. You know, that song had caused a lot of problems for David, causing Saul to become jealous back in 1 Samuel 18. They were not misled concerning David's real identity when the servants of King Achish say in verse 11, Is this not David the king of the land? Yep, acting like a lunatic may be the only way out of this predicament. Look at verses 13 through 15. David did a command performance here to imitate a madman. The insanity defense served him well enough to help him escape. In chapter 22, David goes to call upon the Moabites, verse 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. So in verse 1 here, we see that David has fled to the cave of Adullam, about two miles south of the scene of David's triumph over Goliath, about 13 miles west from Bethlehem. Numerous caverns have been discovered there, and some of them are large enough to hold several hundred people. David's Moabite roots perhaps gave David the idea to turn over to Moab. Ruth was his great-grandmother in Ruth chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, and you'll recall that she was a Moabite. That's probably not the reason Mizpah, the king of Moab, gave David refuge there. It was probably because Saul had been at war with Moab. That's mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 47. As a matter of fact, David's family joined him there as well. Who knows what Saul might do to David's family? David stayed there a while until Gad, who would become his personal prophet, told him that he should move on, after which he moves back into Judah. We see that in verse 5. Here we see that David has put together a ragtag army of Jewish society misfits in verse 2, totaling about 400 men. Beginning in verse 6 of chapter 22, Saul wipes out the priest. Verse 6, 
When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah, with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captives of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priest who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law? Who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priest. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priest and killed on that day eighty-five men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priest, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep, with the edge of the sword. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me you shall be safe. Well, this passage begins with Saul doing a complaining session about servant loyalty in verses 6 through 8. Wow, this king thing had really gone to Saul's head. Doeg the Edomite had been present at the tabernacle the day Ahimelech aided David and his men. He told Saul about the incident, and when Saul realized that the priest Ahimelech had given David some food and Goliath's sword, he was furious, even though the priest had no idea that David was on the run from Saul. Upon confrontation, Ahimelech makes a fine presentation on all the reasons why he should not be held accountable for helping David. But that's not good enough for Saul. He treats Ahimelech and his priests like enemies of Israel. Saul's Hebrew servants refused to slay the priest, but Saul had his hired hand, Doeg. He was an Edomite. 
He killed all 85 of them along with their entire families and their herds and everything. I guess he figured when God turns thumbs down on you, you may as well go for broke. One priest, Abiathar, also Ahimelech's son, he escapes to tell David what's happened. David felt personally responsible for their deaths when he says in verse 22, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Well, let's face it, Saul is not an honorable man. We already saw his animosity toward God's man Samuel, his disregard for vows he made before God, and now here's the execution of God's priest. Abiathar becomes David's personal high priest at this point, accompanying David for his own protection from Saul's wrath. Incidentally, Psalm 52 was written by David as a result of the atrocities committed by Saul on this very occasion. That brings us to chapter 23. In chapter 23, David and his ragtag army save Keilah. Verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy this city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Well, David hears that the Philistines are attacking Keilah. That's a town in Judah. It was one of those harvest-time invasions when the Philistines steal food from the harvest of the Jewish inhabitants. We see in verse 5 that they brought their cattle with them. David goes to save them. Saul gets word that David's still there. David gets Abiathar to bring him the ephod. This priestly garment was where the Urim and the Thummim were kept. These items were used in the Old Testament for discerning God's will about matters. Then David asked God if these people, for whom he has just risked his life, will they turn against him and turn him over to Saul? Imagine David's surprise when God tells him that they will forsake him. Okay, it's time to move on with his army, and his army now has grown to 600 men. 
We see in verse 14 that seeking David's death had become a full-time job for Saul. I mean, forget the Philistines, the real enemy of Israel. We continue reading now with chapter 23, verse 15. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hekilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure, and see the place where his hideout is, and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. See therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall be, if he is in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon, then Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines, so they called that place the Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in strongholds at En Gedi. Well, indirectly anyway, David is saved by the Philistines here. Saul had gotten a tip from those pesky Ziphites that David is in the area, up in the mountains about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. Saul's in hot pursuit of David to kill him and poised to attack when he hears of an attack by the Philistines and Saul has to take a break from his new hobby, which is killing David, to go fight against the Philistines. Something has taken place, though, that Saul doesn't know about. A covenant between Jonathan and David. Jonathan concedes the kingship of Israel to David in that covenant in verses 17 and 18. It says there, And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Notice that Jonathan points out there that Saul is painfully aware of the inevitable kingship of David as well. In chapter 24, we see that David has an opportunity to kill Saul. Verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. 
and David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterward, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, Wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the Lord King of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue, a dead dog, a flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me, for when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house." So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. Well, Saul's been pursuing the Philistines. After he gets back on David's trail with an army of 3,000, he locates David, so to speak, in the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul goes into a cave to take a number two bathroom break. That's what attend to his needs means there. The actual Hebrew phrase is best reflected in the King James Version, which, which indicates that uh, Saul went in to cover his feet. And that's exactly the way the Hebrew phrase is rendered. David and his men are in the cave at the time. While he stooped down, covering his feet with his garment, David sneaks up beside him in the dark, and he clips off part of Saul's robe without even Saul's knowledge. Upon finishing his business in the cave, Saul emerges only to find the voice of David hollering, Does it feel a little drafty there, Saul? I got part of your robe here in my hand. Well, not really David's words, actually. David was actually very respectful as he spoke to Saul, even referring to him as the anointed of the Lord in verse 6, and then bowing before him and addressing Saul as my Lord the King in verse 8. Realizing that David could have killed him, Saul's very remorseful, expressing his evil intent to David as he confesses and says, 
You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. But wait, there's more. You can have the old kingship, in verse 20. Just take care of my boy Jonathan and let my seed go forward. And here's a hint, though. Saul has a short memory and a real problem with rage. However, because of David's oath to Jonathan and to Saul to protect their offspring, Mephibosheth, who's Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson, he remains under David's protection after Saul's death. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1-13. through 13. Unlike Saul, David was an honorable man with his oaths. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.